You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit lakings.com slash podcast. Ferrari joins the rush. Dudas left side. Looking. Dudas shoots and scores! What a shot by Aiden Dudas! Hey everyone, thanks for joining. Thanks for bearing with us. We're we're figuring this all out, but hope everyone can hear me. Uh I'm we're working on uh on getting everything set up. Josh, hopefully you can hear me as well and uh and you can speak as well. I can. Well, uh how are how's things going today? We had uh we had morning skate and we are here in Colorado. Rain are facing the Colorado Eagles tonight. We just finished morning skate. Guys just finished their pregame meal. Uh, so what what did you uh, what did you notice here at, at morning skate? What did you think? Well, first of all, it's colder than it was yesterday. It was 71 degrees when we got here, and today it dipped down into the 30s. Um, we're expecting some snow tonight, but it's in the 40s right now, so I'll take it. But uh, inside the building... Um, you know, the rain might not have too different of a look tonight, but there are some guys who we've seen, um, in the lineup this season. Um, some, some of the scoring forwards like, um, Rasmus Kapari and, and, and Samuel Fagimo who, who aren't playing tonight. Um, so, uh, I don't think it's going to be too much of a new look for the rain, but, um, we're going to see them, you know, take the ice tonight against an Eagles team that is very different from last year. Uh, an Eagles team that, that gave Ontario, uh, fits last year, especially in this building, both in the regular season and the playoffs. Um, so excited to see what these two teams bring tonight um, in the first meeting of the season between the two sides. Yeah, I think that, you know, this is always a place that intrigues me when, when we come here. Um, you know, I, I think I was pretty vocal about it last year that I'd been here when it was an ECHL building. And it's just, a, a tough place to play, and it's a good test. It's a good challenge for anybody, any kind of team, to come in here. And the Eagles right now, under 500 at 3-4, and four, I think it's tough to read into that because, you know, Josh, you and I were talking last night when we got in. They've had a lot of roster changes. So for them, they're still kind of getting some things situated and organized. But I think that, you know, this is a good test So the, when with for the Rain who have, like, you know, you look at it, the Rain have, a seven and a six and one record through seven games. Like they've had a great start, but they've only played two games on the road and they have not played in an environment like this. So I think it's a really good test for these guys to kind of see what they're made of when you're facing a team like Colorado that just jumps on you in this building and a coaching staff with Greg Cronin and Aaron Schneekloff that they, they know how to coach teams to win in this building as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know, we, Got a chance to to talk with both Alan Quine and uh, and Frederick Allard today after practice, and uh, something that that Freddie Allard had said to me was, you know, it's a tough building to play in because it's always rowdy, and obviously we didn't play very well here last year, but um, basically these are the types of environments that guys get up to play for um, because you know it's not every night um, in the AHL that that you walk into an opponent's building. And the fans are right on top of you and it's loud and it's crazy and it feels like a playoff game. And this is one of those buildings that, that kind of seems like that. 
Um, I'm, I'm, we're not really sure what we're going to get tonight. Um, Thursday games can be a little bit weird. I uh, haven't seen a Thursday game up here, but we know Saturday is going to be crazy. Um, and, uh, I, we got in the elevator, uh, yesterday with somebody here at the hotel and some woman was on her phone and she was telling whoever she was on the phone with that she was so excited to go to the Eagles game tomorrow night because she was ready for the raucous environment. Um, so, you know, the fans are going to get loud and the players like to play in those types of situations. So, um, it is the first true road trip of the season for the rain. It's not a one-off. It's not a day trip to San Diego or uh, a quick flight and flight back to and from San Jose. Um, this is a road trip. Wednesday through Sunday, the team's here playing two games in a tough building against a tough opponent. So um, that's another thing that, that Frederick Allard had talked about was these are the types of trips where you learn something about your team. But at the same time, this is a real experience for the players to bond with one another, especially with the new guys who maybe have been around the league for a little while, but maybe not around the team for too long. Because you learn something about yourselves, you learn something about the team, but you learn something about your teammates on trips like this. Uh, and that's something Freddie Allard told me today after practice. So Freddie Allard said the team didn't play well, but he did. I mean, this has been like, yeah, I feel like some of his best games have come here. He had a four point game. Uh, he was great here in the playoffs, even though the rain didn't come away with any wins. Like he must be amped up to, to be back here. I would think. Yeah. And it, what was funny was so at the trade deadline last year, I think you saw a lot of Kings fans saying, uh, the Kings didn't really do anything at the deadline, and maybe they were attached to some names. But what the Kings did at the NHL trade deadline last year was they acquired two defensemen that were intended to bolster the Ontario Reign blue line um, in the wake of some injuries with the Kings and some call-ups to the NHL. So what did they do? They went out and got Frederick Allard, who at one point was one of the top prospects for the Nashville Predators organization. Um, and then they went out and got Nelson Noje. Um, he's no longer here, but both of those guys... Not only did they come in and play well for the rain down the stretch, but they were two players that um, in, in two tough losses in the Budweiser Event Center last year in the playoffs, those are two players that actually had pretty good games. Um, both of them were on the score sheet. Both scored a couple of really big goals and contributed to Ontario both offensively and defensively in those games. And, and, and you know, Frederick Allard, he's only played in one game this season. He was injured in the, in the only preseason game against San Diego. His only game played so far was... Um, about a week ago uh, at home uh, against Bakersfield um, on the 29th. Um, but, you know, he said that's been tough, but he's back. He's ready to go, and he's excited to play here because obviously he had some success last season here, including a couple of big-time plays in the in the overtime game, including a goal that uh, got the rain back in the game late um, in Game 2, a game where they were trailing. Um, they did have to score two goals in the final minute to force overtime. But Freddie Allard stepped out of the penalty box last year after taking a minor penalty, got fed through on a stretch pass down the ice, and he scored a big-time goal that really rejuvenated the team and took the life out of the building that allowed the rain to get back in it later in the game. So he's a fun player to watch. He's back in the lineup tonight, or at least we expect him to be back in the lineup tonight, um, and he's somebody that we'll keep an eye on in these two games here in Colorado. We are getting ready for two games in Colorado this week as the rain gets set to face the Eagles for the first time this season. It is a rematch of playoff series last year that the Eagles won all three games in. They swept the rain, ended the rain's season, and we appreciate everybody for tuning in here on this uh, Twitter space. First go around for us, Josh and I figured while we were in Colorado that we would try this out and kind of give everyone a chance to preview the game but if you guys have questions of us if you want to 
comment. If you have anything you want to add, let us know. We will unmute you and uh, and get your question on and try to answer it. So definitely let us know if, if you have a question or want to be part of it. Okay to just listen to. We're going to keep going with, with kind of a, a look back at what the rain season has been like so far. And um, the biggest narrative to me that I wrote about earlier this week on, on LA Kings Insider is the defense for this team. And, you know, the goaltending is, uh, is a big part of that. But right now for Ontario, just 14 total goals allowed in seven games, an average of two goals per game, uh, no shutouts. So there's no, none of those outliers, but a couple games where they've only let up one goal and their defense has been outstanding. And I think that's due to the health of both teams for the rain and the Kings, you know, the Kings on defense have stayed pretty healthy, knock on whatever you're, you're near, whether it's wood or something else. But, uh, you know, Alex Edler missed a game or two. Other than that, everybody's been pretty healthy. There hasn't been a need to to really call up a lot of guys. Jacob Moverari got one opportunity to get up, but he didn't even get into a game. So everybody's been pretty healthy, and, and for the rain as well. Um, you know, Helge Granz was a bit banged up, missed a game last week, but everybody uh, says he is okay. He is uh, potentially going to be back in the lineup tonight against Colorado, and everybody else on the rain defense is healthy right now. We just talked about Frederick Allard. He missed the first couple of weeks of the season after an injury during the preseason, but he is back. He is healthy, um, and he's expected to play once again. So, with having everyone healthy, it's made a big difference, and the defense has been outstanding. And, and you add in Matt uh, Matt Valalta and Phoenix Copley, who have both been really good in their in their starts. And man, Josh, this is a, a team defensively that uh, is going to wow some people. Yeah, and that really wasn't the case last year. I think, and that's and that's no disrespect to you know, what the team did defensively last year. It was just simply that the offense was just so overwhelmingly good. You know, number one in the league on the power play. They set the AHL single season power play percentage record last year. Um, and then also were top two in the league in goal scoring. So that kind of just overshadowed everything. Well, right now it's the penalty kill and the defense along with the offense that's been so good for the rain. They're top five in the league in both scoring um, and um, team defense. Um, they've scored, they've averaged four goals a game, which is fifth in the league. They've averaged four or two, just two goals against per game, which is second best in the league. And their penalty kill right now is top six in the AHL. And last year it was power plays. Number one penalty kills somewhere around 28 to 30. It was never dead last. I don't think, but it was around the bottom three or four in the league. Pretty much all of last season this year, both the power play and the penalty kill are clicking. And yes, I think a lot of that is because the Kings haven't had many injuries and the Rain haven't had many injuries. So you have a lot of options to put in your lineup every game so far. Uh, and obviously, Frederick Allard is back after missing the first few games. So that really helps out both on the power play and on the penalty kill. It's great to have a guy like Jordan Spence back in the lineup and, and kind of be in that point man on the power play. And then, like you said, Matt Vallalta was good last year, was toward the top of the league in, in wins uh, among goaltenders. Um, but the fact that you can pair both Vallalta and Copley so far this season, um, and they've combined for six wins and are both in the top 10 in the league in goals against average and save percentage right now, that's a testament to them and the team defense. Um, so, so that's kind of where Ontario sits through seven games. It seems like they've done a lot of things right. And again, the only blemish right now um, on the season is a narrow 3-2 loss to the Bakersfield Condors. And that was a team that when the second game of the season came around, 
did not have very many of their top players available to play. So they adopted the kind of grind out a win mentality that Ontario, you know, struggled to adjust to. And since then, they have won those games. They have grinded out some wins. Um, and, and that's seemed to be a turning point very early in the season. And since then, the offense and the defense, whenever they need to step up, they have. Let's shift focus to the forwards really quickly because, again, you know, we're talking defense, and I think, you know, I've mentioned a couple times how impressive the defense has been, but it's not like they're not scoring either. The Reign are ranked fourth offensively, and there's been a lot of guys who've contributed. You know, of some of the younger forwards, Josh, who has stuck out to you as maybe someone that we should keep an eye on that, you know, might be an opportunity to, to see them at the next level? Like, which younger guys? Have you seen that have, that have stuck out to you early on this year? I think right now it has to be Akil Thomas. He's just found ways to put the puck in the back of the net. Um, he really hasn't slowed down since the end of last season. And, and last year, I think I think he would tell you that it was a down year. I think it's safe to say that it was a down year for him. Eight goals, five assists, 13 points. Well, 11 of those 13 points were scored in the final 14 games of the season down the stretch. He had four goals in four playoff games. And this is all after missing two months to start the season with an injury. And since then, he just hasn't slowed down. Right now, six points through seven games. Um, he's tied for the team lead in goals. Uh, he leads the team in power play tallies as well. Um, and he has kind of just really settled in um, with the team offensively. And he continues to be uh, a really good face-off man. For the team as well. You can kind of put him on either end of the ice when you need a face-off win. You can put number 14 in the circle and rely on him to, to get that puck back. Um, and then at the same time, like he he's just really found his spot, I think, and he's found his stride since last season, which was funny because he told you um, a little while back that it wasn't until the start of this season that he really start to settle in, even after last year and the postseason and how good he was. It wasn't until very recently after the, the rookie camp um, and the, the rookie faceoff up in San Jose in September where he really started to, to feel like himself again. Um, and I think that that's saying something with how good he was at the end of the season and how good he is now. Um, somebody else that, that I really want to mention really quickly is Samuel Fagimo. He's not um, going to play tonight, um, but he's been somebody who's been really good for the rain this season. He's also tied for the team lead with Thomas. Um, with four goals and finished second on the team in score and uh, goal scoring last year, uh, he's not available right now. But he's somebody that um, has been really good for the rain. And even in that loss to Bakersfield, where it was one of those tough, slow, like really grinding out kind of games, Samuel Fagimo was everywhere and was without a doubt Ontario's best player in that game. And it seemed like every time he touched the puck in that game, he was going to be the player to to change it for Ontario, and he was. Um, until Bakersfield pulled away at the end. But he's somebody that's been really good for the rain this season. He's already made his, a his, his NHL debut. And I think that sometime in the, in the not-so-distant future, um, we could see Sammy getting a crack again. Yeah, just a note on Sammy, uh, as you were talking about him too. Uh, yesterday, the AHL did announce that there was a suspension uh, for the hit that Fagimo received. Uh, it did take him out of the game on Saturday after he received the hit. He did not return. And it was Dino Cambites who uh, was the aggressor in that situation from Bakersfield. He was suspended for two games, uh, the league announced yesterday, as a consequence of an illegal check to the head of an opponent. So um, there was a little retribution on it, obviously. The rain 
would rather have had that not happen and have uh, Fugimo healthy and in the lineup. But um, that is what happened, and, and there was a suspension from the hit. So um, something to to note. And, you know, I'm going to pick a player as well here uh, who I think has been excellent early on, and that's Aiden Dudas. Uh, he is in his third season. Um, he's in a contract year. He is trying to show that he is, is deserving of another contract. And so far, he's been pretty good in all areas of the game. We know that he can play on the bottom six as he was a consistent contributor last year. And he hasn't yet cracked the top six yet this year, but he's tied for the team lead with four goals. He has the same amount as Akil Thomas and Samuel Fugimo that you just spoke of. And, you know, some of the goal, and we've seen it in flashes once in a while from him, but it seems like he's just more and more confident this year and, and not really deferring. He's going after it, which is, which is excellent. What, uh, what would you like to speak of here as we continue on here in this space? Uh, hey guys, got a question from Ryan who's not able to join live. Uh, Ryan would like to know, have the low goals against been more of a representation of the play of the blue line or the guys in net? It's a good question. Thanks. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Jesse, for relaying the question. I think right now it's probably uh, a bit of everything and it's an early small sample size. So, you know, it's probably uh, a bit of everything and it's an early small sample size. So, you know, I don't want to, um, say that it's one thing or the other definitively, but I, I, you know, I know it's both. Um, Like I said, just to kick this off, I I think the first point I made was that the lineup is healthy. And so the defense is better than it was for the, for the most part last year. Uh, You look at guys like Jordan Spence, who's back in the lineup, Tobias Bjornfoot, who's, who's now back with the rain after, you know, over a hundred games in the NHL. Uh, you know, Frederick Allard has only played one game, but I think he does an excellent job when he's in the lineup. Cameron Gauntz is as, as steady as it come as they come back there, but they have allowed a lot of chances. Uh, there's been some games, particularly the one in San Diego, where the team allowed 45 shots, and the goals were the better team that night. But Phoenix Copley stood on his head, and he got the rain a win. So I think just as much as yeah, it's good that the defense is healthy, and they're probably. Um, you know, limiting some of the high quality chances. There have been a lot of high quality chances. It's not like they're eliminating everything. And so we do need to give Phoenix Copley and Matt Villalta some credit. Uh, and, you know, Phoenix Copley specifically because he's played in five of the seven games. But, you know, he has looked like he's adapted extremely quickly to this team and is taking advantage of an opportunity that he has. I mean, the team looks very comfortable playing in front of him and he just looks like he's dialed in. Uh, I mean, Josh, you can chime in on this, but like I think both of us have been extremely impressed with what Phoenix Copley has brought to the table on a night night by night basis, and uh, that's why he's earned the trust of everybody so quickly. Yeah, I mean Phoenix Copley is a bona fide NHL goaltender. I mean he spent six seasons in total with the Capitals organization, uh, two with the St. Louis Blues, and remember after the Capitals won the Stanley Cup in 2018, that next season, um, so in 2019. Copley was their full time was full time in the NHL um, in the goaltending duo behind Braden Holtby, um, who was obviously a huge part of the Capitals Stanley Cup run, um, and that was Phoenix Copley uh, w- with the Caps in the NHL. 
Um, and then now, you know, he's, he's got a lot of AHL experience under his belt where he's been reliable. Um, and this year right now, you know, Copley, if you put him in the game, you expect to win. Um, going back to kind of what you said about the San Diego game, I think that's kind of a perfect example that it has been both the blue line and, um, the goaltending this season, because it's almost been kind of a game by game basis where the game in San Diego was the most offensive 2-1 game I think I've ever seen. And the goaltending, both for both by Phoenix Copley and San Diego's goaltender, um, Lucas Dostal, was phenomenal. I mean, they stole the show that night. Where other games, it's been a little bit of both, where the defense has really shut things down. And I think something that we had talked about last season, whether it be with, um, with, with whether it be with Jesse and, and, and all the Kings men or, you know, opposing broadcasters that come in or just people who ask us about the, the offense and, and the potential in the lineup last year. It was, I am not envious of the coaching staff on having to pick which 12 forwards are going to play tonight. It's at the point right now where I am not envious of the coaching staff because I don't want to pick the six defensemen and the goaltender who are going to play tonight. Um, and part of that is because everybody's been so good to start the year. And another thing is, like you already said, Guys are healthy now, especially with Frederick Allard coming back. So um, you got to pick six of them. There are more than six of them, and you got to pick one goalie, and there's more than one goalie. And right now, everybody's playing really well, and everybody's healthy. Any other of you have a question that you'd like to ask, feel free to request to speak. We would love to hear from anybody else. If there's any other questions, happy to take those. Uh, Josh and I also noticed something that we that I wanted to point out, too, when we were on the uh, way back from team's morning skate this morning here in Colorado. Crazy statistical anomaly. It's only been seven games, but the Reign have actually had the same amount of shots on goal that they have let up this season. It is exactly the same. They're averaging 31 shots on goal and 31 shots allowed, which is, uh, you know, just a nice little stat. But I think it does show you that, you know, the games have been pretty even as far as chances, but. You know, the rain have some finishers that other teams don't, and they have some goalies that other teams don't. And that that's what makes the difference when, when you kind of look at those things. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it really does. And right now, I mean, you look at, you look at tonight's matchup, and I think that Colorado, the goaltending stats specifically don't tell the whole story for Colorado, for example. But Eustis Anunin is a very reliable goalie. They've got Jonas Johansson, who's who's in goal, and he's got NHL experience as well. And then you look up and down the Colorado lineup, and you know you alluded to this earlier. You look at the guys for Colorado that are no longer here, including three their top three scorers from a year ago are no longer here. Two of their top defensemen are gone. They lost a ton of guys from last year's team. But Colorado went out, and they their offseason moves didn't necessarily include anybody that's going to wow you on paper, but they went out and got both AHL and NHL veterans to kind of stack their lineup a little bit. So you never really know what you're going to get. And right now, Ontario's lineup is how we've already been discussing it. It's a pretty well-rounded machine right now, both offensively, defensively, and goaltending-wise. But again, it's kind of a mix of different things, and that's something that you might see in tonight's matchup where Colorado is a team that's probably a little bit more stout offensively and defensively this season. They've been pretty similar uh, on both sides on what they've given up and what they've scored this year. And the rain, at least in terms of shots, are kind of the same way. So again, playing against a team tonight that 
might not be as offensive as they have been in the past. We get a chance to see what Ontario does this year, uh, does this weekend um, in regards to limiting offensive chances, limiting shots on goal, and kind of see what we get in their first real road trip of the season. And, and that's something that I'm really excited to see. Hey guys, more questions from fans that couldn't join us, and one from me actually. Um, I know that some people <clears throat> won't ask because they think the answer is simple, but I'll just ask anyway. Any updates on Alex Turcott? And then after that, um, just curious about the play of Aiden Dudas. I know some people are curious about what his ceiling might be, how his career is progressing, and how he's looking so far this season. Thanks very much. I'll go away again. Well, hold on a second because I have a question. Uh, All right, which one of which one of those is your question? My which question was about Turcott. Tra- okay, um, so we'll start with that then. Uh, and and Alex Turcott is on the trip with the team, which is great to see. He skated again this morning, which is excellent. Uh, he is getting closer and closer to returning to action. I believe that he is not expected to be in the lineup tonight. He, as I said, he did skate this morning, um, but he was one of the last ones off the ice. He stayed out there for some extra work. I still think he uh, is is going to need a little bit more time, but the time is definitely much closer than it was a few weeks ago. And I think there's a good chance that, you know, within the next week or two, he finds himself back in, in the lineup for the rain. So um, he's progressing. Uh, we're seeing all the, I think the team is seeing all the, the positive signs that they need to see from him. Um, just a matter of, of actually getting a hundred percent cleared and, and getting back in the lineup. So I think that's really exciting and you know, where he fits and how things are structured once he returns, man, that is going to be a tough task. I'm not envious of the coaches trying to figure out the lineup. And it's because of guys like Aiden Dudas, who you just mentioned and kind of alluded to him before, but like to me, he, he the offense that he's showing, if he can consistently provide that in a bottom six role while helping to kill penalties, which he also does, he becomes extremely valuable for this team. So I think what I'm seeing from him is just an extra bit of confidence. He's been now in the league for a little bit longer. He is comfortable with whoever he's playing with. And, and, you know, he's had a little bit of, of different line mates. First, he was with Tyler Madden and Akil Thomas, which are two excellent line. We touched on how, Great Akeel has been early on this season. Um, and so having him with those guys, I think, has really suited him well. But he's just, a, he's kind of gritty too. Like he fits in well with, you know, if you want to play him with Nate Thompson, Austin Wagner, or Jacob Doty, like he fits in well with those guys as well. And he's a plus six on the season. Um, so, you know, he, he does, he does uh, kill penalties, but even strength, you know, he's been on for plenty more goals than uh, four than allowed. And, you know, now that he, he's played 111 AHL games. So at this point, it's kind of like it's put up or shut up for him because not even necessarily just talking about whether, you know, Kings related, but even for the rain, you know, like I said, this is the last year of his contract. And I think he needs to prove that he's going to be a consistent contributor in this lineup. He's going to be someone that forces himself to get another contract and get some more time in, in the development stage because, you know, at this point, if, yeah, this is it for him. If he, if he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't put up this year, then he might be on another team next year. So I think uh, it's been a great start for him. And again, you know, now that he's been in the league, there's really no no excuse at this point. He's getting the minutes, he's getting the opportunity, he's playing with good line mates, and he's putting up points. You know, five points in in seven games, and four of them have been goals. He's now at the twenty goal mark for his career. So 
Josh, I'm not sure if you have anything to add on the uh, on the Dudas front, but you know, I think it's definitely a positive sign to to have someone contributing. And again, very limited sample size, but some of the shot percentages that the Rain have had this season have been outright awesome. Uh, Akil Thomas, we talked about him earlier. He's shooting at 33. percent Four of his 12 shots have gone in. For Dudas, he's got four shots that have gone in. And he's only had nine on net total. So really <laughs> tell these guys to shoot more because they're having some success when they're putting the puck on net. Yeah, they are. And it helps that uh, Akil Thomas has just really found um, the perfect spot on the ice on a power play seemingly every time he's scored. Um, so he's getting those in deep chances and just ripping it past the goalie every single time. And that seems to be where tons of killer shots come from. Um, but to kind of piggyback off of Aiden Dudas, um, what's interesting is um, when John Robleski was a head coach of the Reign 2021 in the shortened COVID season, he said that um, Dudas's mentality, for lack of a better, for lack of better phrasing, for lack of a better word, it needed to be a "I don't care what the other team thinks of me" mentality, and to just be such a disruptive player that it frustrates the other team, whether that be on the penalty kill, um, whether that be an even strength skating, anything like that. Well. In the preseason a little bit, and in the last couple of games when Ontario has totally mixed up the power play a few times, we've seen Aiden Dudas out there for that. We've seen him on the penalty kill. He just continues to be a really versatile player at this point in his young career, Um, and uh, that's just something that I think has been really impressive about him. And then there's the obvious one. If you watch the guy um, set up on the left side of the ice, he has scored a handful of goals these last two years from the left circle. Um. With his wrist shot. I mean, his wrist shot is next level. And I think that it's something that definitely gets overshadowed about his game and um, something that um, kind of keeps him overshadowed when you look at some of the other young prospects in the organization and specifically on the team um, who have really great shots. Um, And his is like definitely under the radar because the goal that he scored the other day against Bakersfield... We just put out our plays of the week on social media, so make sure you check out Ontario Rain on, on Twitter, Instagram, wherever, um, because his goal from Sunday or Saturday against Bakersfield was one of the top five plays of October for the Rain. I mean, he just steps into the zone, holds up at the left circle, and kind of looks to his right, totally fakes out both the defender in front of him and the goalie without doing all that much, and then just rips a wicked wrist shot pass the goalie into the back of the net, just picks a corner. And we've seen him do that a few times. Um, and he's already got four goals on the season to be tied for the team lead. So that's kind of what Dudas is doing right now. Um, and again, you know, he had a couple of assists in the playoffs last year too, um, in a postseason that, you know, ended a little bit uh, quicker than, than we all thought it would. Um, but also in a postseason where Ontario wasn't scoring as many goals as we expected them to. Um, and, and Aiden Dudas was able to contribute as well. Welcome. Any other questions? Thanks, Jesse and, and others. Who... I've got two more, actually, right, <laughs> if you don't mind. Yeah, <laughs> these are from, these are from pulled, pulled from fans who are doing laundry and can't listen. Um, one question is, does the AHL have an e-bug, which I had never even thought of? And then uh, somebody wanted to know, uh, says, uh, someone who doesn't get a chance to watch a lot of rain games, how has Kim Nuziainen looked so far? Thank you. Um so, first question about the e-bug. Uh, the AHL does not have an e-bug like the NHL does. The NHL has someone who is in the seats every single game. If there's ever, if it's ever necessary, uh, then they would 
they would need to be used. I don't believe, I think teams are kind of on their own. Uh, for Ontario, the rain goaltending coach, Matt Miller, is the e-bug. Uh, he did have to dress once last year. Um, I think there was a situation with, not sure if it was COVID, call-ups, whatever was going on at the time, middle of the season, where uh, Matt had to take warm-ups for the rain. But then I believe it was Lucas Parikh that was being called up on an emergency basis from where he was in Rapid City, arrived at the building after warm-ups and was able to get dressed and get on the bench and be there as a backup. But had he not made it, if there was an issue with his flight, if there was an issue with his travel plans, then uh, I believe Matt would have been the e-bug. We also had Josh, remember, man, I'm trying to, I think his name was Billy Blaze. Uh, That's correct. We also... We, we had Billy. Billy jumped in. I think he's a local goaltender. Uh, I'm not sure if he plays in the Ontario area or if he's in El Segundo at, at TSPC, but Billy also, uh, we knew that at that point a little bit in advance that we would need an e-bug, and he was the guy that was available that we went to. So uh, a little bit different uh, in a situation like that than what the NHL has where they just have a guy who's always in the stands. Um, but our guy is, is actually on the coaching staff for the rain. Other teams can elect to do that if, if they'd like to have that security. Um, but that's kind of a little more like, you know, I'm familiar with the ECHL was, was in the ECHL for five seasons. That is what the teams in the ECHL do. They, they don't really have a consistent person. It's just kind of all hands on deck. You make some calls when you need someone and get someone to the rink as soon as you can, uh, if you need somebody. So that's, uh, that's the e-bug situation and then the second question uh kim nosiainen uh hasn't gotten a ton of of game action this year he played in a few games three total this season when jacob muverari was called up by the kings uh after edler was injured for a few for a few games and i think for me personally i really like him as a prospect i'm excited about what he what he brings to the table i think he's He's got some offensive upside, which hasn't, you know, he's only played about 10, 12 games for the rain in North America. So he's still kind of learning the North American game as he was in Finland previously, Finnish native. But I think he actually, and, and people, you know, I think some other people who have seen him agree with, with me on this, but he kind of reminds me a, a bit of Jordan Spence. And it's probably unfair to, to, to just make that comparison without explaining it further, but um, the skating that, that Kimmy has is, is very good, just like Jordan Spence. He's not afraid to shoot the puck and has a really plus shot, in my opinion, which is also one of Spence's best attributes. Um, and, you know, I think he's a good puck carrier. Like, for the most part, he's confident with the puck. He makes good plays. He's not afraid to, to get up in the rush and, and, you know, go from end to end. I think defensively in defensive zone coverage, he needs to continue to to learn where he needs to be, and I think there's been a few defensive breakdowns that that he wants to clean up. Um, but you know, also right now, just again, kind of going back to the the crowded defensive lineup, he's he's only played a couple games, so even some of you know to to go on both sides, some of his pluses and and negatives um, is probably just such a small sample size. But I get to watch him in practice, and he's an exciting prospect to me. Uh, I definitely see a lot of upside there, and you know he's he's a, definitely a fun to watch kind of a player. It was fun when he made his debut on the stretch last year because you know he jumped right in the lineup and and showed that he could play. 
Yeah, he he was also a player that that I think a lot of people focused on quite a bit at the rookie faceoff in San Jose this year. Uh, it was the first time we got to see him in that setting, and and he stepped in as a guy who had played a, a few games in the AHL um, and was pretty active. And we saw him; he, he logged a lot of minutes at the rookie faceoff. So right now, like you said, he it's just a crowded um, group of blue liners right now, and with him adjusting to the North American game, I think that that's pretty much one of the only reasons why he hasn't played more than three games right now. Um, because it's crowded, because he's adjusting, because he's learning. Um, and, and that's pretty much it, it seems it to be, in, you know, in my opinion, because he is a really young, uh, exciting player to watch. Um, I do see some similarities um, to b- between him and Jordan Spence. But also, you know, you bring up practice. Uh, he's one of the players that I love to watch in practice because he's very fast. He does command the puck very well. Um, and he's just everywhere on the ice during practice. Um, it's one of those opportunities where you can kind of, you know, zero in on one specific player and watch to see how maybe different they look in practice than in a game setting, just because, you know, it's not an actual game scenario. No one's checking them into the wall. Um, you got to get to watch him go through different drills and exercises. And uh, he's fun to watch because he's so fluid, um, both with and without the puck. Um, and that's something that I think is is really important in his game um, that hopefully we get to see a little bit more of uh, in the near future. Any final questions before we wrap things up? Uh, the game tonight. Yep, it's going to be a got more for yeah, you, Jared. <laughs> Sorry, ahead, more, more fans. Uh, Leo B. I know. Well, you know. When Leo B wants to know when is Martin Kromiak expected to get into the lineup and what kind of minutes is Bjornfoot playing? Is he being used in all situations? Thank you, Leo B. Thanks, Leo B. Hope you can make it to the space next time. I think uh, starting with, with Kromiak, um, I, I honestly don't know. Um, he just started skating. Um, so he is is on his on his route to to returning, but, uh, not as I would say, you know, I made the comment earlier about Alex Turcott being, being, you know, on this trip, Chromiak is not on this trip. So that gives you an idea, uh, of, you know, he's not an imminent return for him just yet. Um, but he, I've been told, I've not seen him. I've been told he is on, on the ice, um, getting on the ice in the injury skates. So that's good for him. Um, you know, obviously, very electrifying prospect, someone who the team is very excited about. Another guy who, when he gets back in, will definitely command some minutes. Speaking of minutes, that's the next question. Uh, when we talk about to- Tobias Bjornfoot, he is receiving as many minutes as anybody on the defense. Uh, he is out there in a first-pairing role with Jordan Spence on a nightly basis, and given every opportunity uh, to play in a five-on-five penalty kill, not a ton on the power play at this time. Uh, power play, Jordan Spence is obviously on that top unit. Helgi Granz has been on the second unit. So those have been the defensemen that have gotten the most time on the power play early. I think now that Frederick Allard is back, he was another guy who did an excellent job on the power play last year. So wouldn't be surprised to see him getting some power play time. But for Bjornfoot, all of the situations for sure. And I think they would put him out there on the power play. It's just, 
the first unit's been uh, taking up a lot of the time out there. And, and Helgi Granz is another important prospect that's that's been given a shot as well there. But Bjornfoot is is seeing as much time as anybody else on the blue line, and he and Spence uh, think they're getting to getting more and more familiar with each other. I don't know how much they had played together before this season, but I think you know he has done everything that the reign have asked of him. Um, so I think it's just keeping him sharp until until there's a need in, in L.A. because we all know that he can play in the NHL on a nightly basis, um, but there's too many guys, as Jesse loves to say. So uh, that, you know, I think that, that he's definitely getting a ton of minutes and will continue to get a ton of minutes for the reign. Yeah, I mean, he had stints in the NHL in 2020 and 2021, and last year played 70 games for the Kings. Um, and so far to start the season, um, I've thought that he's looked very confident, um, both with and without the puck and, and the role that he's played. And, you know, I already kind of teased, uh, the goal or the, the plays of the, uh, plays of the month of October on our social channels. Um, if you want to see a highlight real goal from Toby Bjornfoot, you might know what I'm alluding to already, but you should go check out those plays of the month because, Toby Bjornfoot wowed Toyota Arena on opening night with a goal. And uh, I think that just goes back to the confidence thing. Um, and after that game, Marco Sturm said, you know, this is a player who spent 70 games in the NHL last year. And sure, it's only opening night and he doesn't score a ton of goals, you know, especially. But he can contribute, um, you know, in both ways, both offensively and defensively. But that's the confidence that he you know, has the way that he commands the puck, especially this year playing with somebody like Jordan Spence. Um, the fact that he spent so much time in the NHL while still only being, you know, 21 years old, um, turning 22 uh, next April. I, he, he's somebody who's a veteran that's still under the age of 22 years old. And that's no, that, that's, that doesn't come as a surprise to, to a lot of us who've seen some of these young players with the ring the last couple of years where they can be a leader, they can be a veteran while being under the age of 22. There's a ton of guys who are like that. Um, and right now, Tobias Bjornfoot is one of them. And it's because of his experience. It's because of the confidence he's, he shows on the ice. Um, and that's why I think he's played such a big role so far. He hasn't gotten on the score sheet since opening night. But with the minutes that he's playing and with the role that he's playing and the players that he's playing with specifically, he's probably not going to be held off the score sheet you know, for much longer. Any other questions, Jesse or others, happy to uh, to take them here as we continue to get set for the games this weekend. Mikey Alexander asked on Twitter, even though I see him in the space and he could just request to be a speaker on his own. Come on, Mikey. He does have a pretty good voice. <laughs> Mikey wants to know if Josh and Jared have any superstitious routines they do before they call a game. That's a good question. Um, now now Mikey's trying to jump in. Hold okay, on. well, let, let's let Mikey ask the question. Oh, Mikey, you there? Yes, I'm here. Do you hear me? We yeah. can hear you. Oh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Yes, I just tweeted it. I'm like, you know what? I might as well hit the little button here. Um, I My question was, since you guys are traveling on the road and those uh, rain or younger kids, do you think it's distracting being on the road, or they do you think they prefer it? You're, are they distracted by going out to new restaurants or new shops, or do you think they're just focused on hockey and they go from game to game? I think that they're pretty focused. Um, I, yeah, I, I think there's probably just as many distractions as there are at home uh, on the road. I think guys who 
are, you know, guys who want to lock it down and just stay in the hotel room and not do anything. You know, you have those kind of guys, you have other guys who want to go out, take a walk, explore the city, you know, be, be present in, in the city they're in. And they do that same thing just maybe in LA too. So I think uh, it's probably just, everybody has their own routines and, and what they want to do. So for some guys, it's important to take their mind off, off hockey. Um, but I don't think there's too many distractions on the road. I think guys are pretty, pretty focused in maybe if we have, you know, we have a day off tomorrow. I might change my answer then, but, uh, right now, like on a game day today, everybody's dialed in. Yeah. And when we were in Colorado last year for the playoffs, we, uh, actually were in Greeley, which is a little bit further away. Um, and there wasn't a ton around the hotel, but you know, there was a coffee shop that it seemed like every player on the team would walk, you know, the five, 10 minutes to, to, to frequent while we were there. That was something that, um, we saw a little bit last year. Um, but the guys always kind of find something to do. I think a lot of times there's the, the, the coffee shops are a big one. We saw that, you know, whether it be at the rookie tournament in San Jose or in the playoffs, regardless of kind of where you're staying, you'll find the coffee shops. Last year we ran into Andre Lee. He was going down to the to the hotel pool by himself. Just was going to go hop in and 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 what it was like. So yeah, the guys doing different things. But yeah, especially on a game day like today, um, sometimes it's pretty quiet around too. Is something that I've noticed. Not just on the bus, but just around breakfast or lunch or things like that. It's pretty pretty quiet on game days too. Um, so maybe to show that they're a little more focused in, especially when you got a game in a couple hours. Brilliant. And then final one walking away. I just was curious if you guys have any, you two, Jared and Josh, any pregame superstitions that you do as you prep for a game and then I'll hop off. Thank you so much. Keep doing this. This was great. Not, not too many. I don't think, um, you know, there's the normal prep that we both do. Jared's, you know, doing the game notes and the, uh, and the game preview I'm doing, getting stuff set up for the broadcast kind of on a technical standpoint, but then also going over my own prep that we've been working on. But in terms of man, in, in terms of like superstitions, anything that we do uh, every morning, we, uh, especially on the road, you know, we get breakfast and we, we get a coffee usually. Um, and then I don't know if it's a superstition or anything, but usually as we go on the air, we give each other a fist bump. So I guess that's something. I've got one. I, my, for me, uh, and it's, it's not much of a superstition as a necessity. Um, I tend to eat a ton on game days. Uh, and, and yeah. the reason for that, the reason for that is because if I'm on the air and I'm hungry, it's not a fun experience. So I'm, uh, I'm definitely someone who, you know, like you said, Josh, we're getting breakfast, we have pregame meal, there's a media meal. I, I, it's probably not good for my health, but I feel like I have a four meal day on, uh, on game day. So definitely need to go for a workout too. But, um, it's just, you know, it, I've had the situation where, especially in the playoffs game goes to overtime and you're like starving. It just, it takes your focus off of what you're trying to do. Like it's, I, maybe I just, you know, I'm more, I'm more focused and I'm, I'm, you know, burning up more calories on a game day. So I'm, uh, I'm eating a lot more. I, other than that, um, Probably not. I think the again, not I don't know, like superstition, um, because I'm not. I try not to. When I was younger, I, you know, I had more um, because I was like, oh, I can't do this because I don't want to mess up. And then I realized like I don't have any impact on the game whatsoever. So 
I just need to stop uh, stop thinking that I do. But uh, another thing is that I'm really a little bit superstitious about not wearing the colors of the other team that we're that we're playing. Yeah. So I, this happened once in college uh, that I like showed up to the rink on a road game at Boston College and I was wearing my you know crimson red. Uh, like like maroon sweater with like gold khakis and I was like looking like a BC person and everyone was was chirping me everyone was like what are you doing like you don't you don't go to BC you're not a BC media member like what are you doing and uh, so I'm now like kind of focused on I'll make sure that I don't have the other team's colors when we're so like if we were in San Jose we're facing the CUDA like I'm keeping all my green at home uh, so Things like that. Uh, for Colorado, it's actually kind of tough because they've got so many different colors. They've got black. They've got blue. Uh, they've got red. They've got a lot of colors that are in their scheme. So, um, you know, I, I might unfortunately have a few of those colors because, you know, uh, it's tough to stay away from those. But that's another thing that uh, that I'm a little bit superstitious on, too. Yeah, I didn't bring a blue suit on the trip. Um, but it is kind of tough when they've got all those different colors in their scheme. I, I've been trying to find an opportunity to wear this like spotted, like maroon tie that I really like. And I brought that on the trip and then last minute went and grabbed the third tie, even though there's only two games just in case, because the avalanche are only an hour South and that's the, you know, the affiliate of the Eagles and they're, they've got that maroonish like burgundy color. So I don't want to wear that. Um, but yeah, I think the food thing. I think the food thing, I'm kind of in that boat too, which is funny because that is the complete opposite of our AHL TV producer, Tyler, back at home. Tyler like does not eat on game days, and Jared and I are just like wolfing down food all day. And <laughs> Tyler just does not touch any food because he's like, I'm, nothing's going to go wrong. You know, I'm not going to touch the food. I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm just going to do the game. And meanwhile, Jared and I are like, all right, first intermission, we're getting hot dogs. Before the game, we're also getting hot dogs. So... Tyler is not that kind of person. I don't know how he does it, but he sometimes he somehow makes it through like most of the whole game day without eating anything. I'm like, dude, how do you even focus on anything? But that is uh, that's the way he gets it done. He does a great job. So don't don't change it, Tyler. But still, not sure how you get through that. Anyway, well, that's going to wrap it up. I appreciate everybody joining us once again. And yeah, I think you know when we're out on the road, this will be something we we try to do a little bit more. Uh, feel free to, to hit us up if you have any other questions. And uh, we look forward to, to getting the games to you. We get games tonight in Colorado and Saturday. It's 6.05 start time Pacific time. So thanks again to everybody for tuning in. We will talk to you tonight on the air, and we'll see you soon. Take care.